What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Arena Alums. Back with my good friends Bobby Jugelski and Thomas Vonderhaar. I know it's been a while since we last talked. Uh, holidays kind of got ahead of everything else. Um, but luckily for us and for everyone, probably in the Dayton fan base, only two games that we've missed. And one of them was a big stinker last night against LaSalle. We're recording on uh, New Year's Eve. Um, but we have not talked since the Ole Miss game. So we're going to start off with just a little bit of recap there. It was a uh, 65-62 win for the Flyers. Um, but before we get into that, just want to ask you guys how you're doing. You guys have a good Christmas? Yeah, good Christmas on this end. Uh, I know a lot of people have been impacted with the uh, with the year of the COVID. So uh, year of the Rona. So uh you know, luckily for us and me and my wife, we were able to see family, but I know others weren't so fortunate, but uh, definitely a good Christmas and uh, good to be back doing a little recording here today. Yeah, same on our end. Uh, got to enjoy Christmas, see family a little bit. Uh, as Thomas mentioned, you know, circumstances this year have definitely made things more interesting, but uh, it's been good overall and we can't complain about it. How about yours, Danny? Good. Yeah, same here. Was able to see... You know, everyone that we wanted to in the family for the most part, uh, at least the immediate family. Miss seeing my like my extended family up in Wisconsin for sure. Uh, but yeah, just with everything going on, obviously not necessarily in the, in the cards this year. I hope to see them soon. Um, how's the house going, Bobby? It's been about a month or so now since you moved in. Almost. Yeah, it's been going good. Uh, we're getting we're getting stuff slowly put together and uh getting things up on the wall now deciding where we want to put everything um so yeah it's been going good been able to watch the flyer so all the uh priorities are in check so we've been good good in that uh department so far awesome awesome all righty so we'll get right back into the old miss game again it was a 65 62 win for ud uh before christmas at ud arena it was a little tale of two halves situation with the Flyers down seven at half. They're even down uh, 12 to two with about 12 minutes left in the first half. So they had to claw their way back. Uh, it was good to see them do so. But for a couple of reasons, um, that game being just so long ago, relatively so since talking and with everything else that's happened, not too much I feel like that we can take away long term from that. There's been some personnel changes, which we'll get into soon, and um, just some other things that kind of make that game stand out on its own. Um, so I don't know, guys, if you have anything in general from that game you want to you want to point out? Yeah, I can start. Um, you know, I thought while I was uh, watching that game, um, it was just funny. I felt like I was re-watching the uh, Mississippi State game a little bit. It mirrored that game and the flow and the and the start just perfectly, almost. Um, you know, as you were alluding to, Danny, they were uh, down down seven at half. Um, I think we scored twenty five points uh in that first half in the mississippi state game and uh we scored 24 points um against ole miss and uh, both of those teams are sitting in the 30s so um kind of kind of a slow start and definitely mirrored itself there um obviously came out in the second half and i think you know, when you were watching that game, it was it was clear Chapman was was on his game that day, not only defensively, but uh, but offensively, um, although it did seem that his defense really played a strong part into getting his offense going a little bit. He had, I think, 20 points pretty early on there in the second half. I want to say with maybe 10, 15 minutes left, he hit, he hit the 20, the 20 point mark. So um, really, really was impressed with that. And that was, I think back to back games where he really looked, you know, really solid and um, 
definitely stepping up from where he was at last year. Last year kind of uh, was inconsistent offensively and, uh, you know, just kind of was that defensive guy and a guy who could kind of control the ball, um, you know, when needed for for spurts of time um, just to kind of get Jalen running off some screens and having him play more of the two. So uh, definitely positive, um, you know, to see Chapman really coming along and really kind of growing into the role this year because we need it. We, uh, you know, obviously lost three starters last year. We've been over that. And uh, so good to see, you know, him step up there. And another good thing was to see Jalen, um, you know, granted, you know, he's he's put up the points in the previous games, but he was definitely more efficient in that old Miss game. And that carried over into last night, too, which we'll get into a little bit later. But uh, still some common themes, you know, overall for me. And again, I'll touch on this a little later, so I don't want to get into it too heavily. But turnovers, clearly a problem. And, uh, you know, rebounding is is also still kind of an issue coming out of that old Miss game. So Bobby, I don't know what you got, but uh but that's kind of those are kind of things I was seeing. Yeah, the only thing I really wanted to add um that impressed me coming out of the old Miss game was the addition um in the paint, how we were able to adjust. It seemed like in the first half we weren't able to really get inside as much. Um, and then down the stretch there uh, it really seemed like there was an emphasis on getting Jordy the ball. I noticed uh, there was down the stretch there, the final like 12, 10 minutes, uh, he had a lot of bas- points in the basket. And then uh, looking through the notes of it as well, Chase got to the rim, Rodney got to the rim, Jalen got to the rim. Uh, so it was really cool to see that. And I think a lot of those points also um, came with starting on the defensive end, getting tr- uh, steals, like you said, with uh, Rodney kind of, really taking taking charge of the defense there and being able to get outlet passes and just really kind of force Ole Miss uh, to turn the ball over a little bit and make it more difficult for them to have uh, good shots uh, were the main things I took away in addition to what Thomas said about the Ole Miss game. Yeah, yeah, for sure. For me, there are just a few things looking, over, looking back over the notes uh, that I was just kind of trying to connect to what we saw last night. First thing was that Chapman, Watson, and Crutcher – were the only guys that scored in the first half uh, against Ole Miss. Again, it was only 24 points, so they didn't score a ton. But we saw you know, basically no balance from anyone else, literally no balance, no scoring. So it was just those three guys who were kind of having to carry the load in that first half against Ole Miss. And even I think the first non – the first bucket not by one of those three guys came from Jordy around 12 minutes left in the game. There might have been some free throws from other guys, but that was my note about at least field goals. So, I mean, it took, what, 28 minutes to to get a bucket from from someone else uh, in that Ole Miss game. So it just kind of points to the fact that we need those three guys to be on their A game every single game. And definitely last night, Chapman and Ibby were not. Um, and, you know, it's a lot of pressure. You hate, you know, to feel that way about any anyone really, I guess, except maybe your your star that you want to be able to count on them every single night. But with our depth or lack of depth, those three guys are really going to have to step up. And when they don't, it's it's really going to hurt us. Chapman especially, I thought, last night was was not great. Um, I think he really took a challenge in both those games against Mississippi State and Ole Miss. I don't know if it's just like an SEC team. We talked about, you know, those teams are always going to be bigger. So it just seemed like he kind of just took it on himself to to provide that toughness for us. In those games, especially defensively, like you said, Thomas, he was a star uh, against Ole Miss, especially in the second half. That led to a lot of points, and we just didn't really see that from him last night uh, in really any facet of the game. Yeah, no, um, I was going to kind of hold off on it, uh, but I think since you kind of touched on the guard play, um, I kind of wanted to – I'll just get in right to it. Um, You know, it was really interesting to me just how many – turnovers um you know have just been such a problem and uh watching um not only the old miss in the previous games but last night i just watching these games always had a feeling that eventually this was gonna bite us like this was really gonna bite us in a game where we least expected it you know and that was last night in a nutshell um i was kind of going back 
through the previous seasons just to kind of get a benchmark for turnovers. And because well, I've said in previous episodes, you're going to have them. I mean, it's just what happens. You, you, you're not going to go a game where you have, you know, two, three turnovers. I and mean, it's just not going to happen. You know, there's a quick travel here or a miscommunication or a bad bounce pass, whatever it is, you're, you're going to have, you're going to have some, but um, so far through, what is it, six games this year, we are averaging 17, 17 turnovers a game. And uh, so I'm like, okay, is, is 17 bad? It, it definitely feels bad. It feels like we're having quite a few of them. And, you know, they're very impactful. You just saw LaSalle just really get out on the attack and really push the ball on every turnover. And our, our transition D was very poor last night. It felt like they could just get right to the rim, you know. Um and uh, some of that, obviously, is just the continuity, some new bodies in there last night. But still, through six games, it's a trend. And I was kind of going back through past seasons. Last year, we averaged 12. The year before that, we averaged 12. The year before that, with Daryl's team, uh, Daryl Davis, Baby D, um, for those who don't remember, uh, they averaged they averaged 13. And so, um, I mean, it's just, it's just really frustrating because, you know, obviously we're not last year's team, but if the two teams prior to last year, both are sitting around 12, 13, and you've got three veteran guards in Ibby and Chapman and in Crutcher, and we're averaging 17, like what, what is going wrong here? I can't put my finger on it. Mm -hmm. I have a couple thoughts, but, uh. I'm just really blown away by our inability to slow this down. It just, I'm just waiting for the next game to be better, the next right. game to be better. And it's just a, it's a trend at this point. Yeah. And definitely as we get into conference play, you know, the, all these coaches have film on, on what we've done the last few years under grant things haven't really changed that I can tell in terms of the system. And that's something else that's so frustrating because obviously when you have a guy like Obi Toppin, and, you know, some of their glue guys like Mike Sell and, and Landers, you can make that system look so good. I mean, their offense was one of the best in the country last year, bar none. I mean, there's just no question. And, again, I know personnel can have a lot to do with that. Um, and maybe I'm naive to think that the system ultimately, you know, can can bring the best out of any of these players. But I do – I like, I think they're so much better than what they're showing so far through six games. And I know there can be so many excuses that every team can have this season about, you know, the truncated schedule and missing practices. And, and I know that's hard, I'm not going to ignore that, but once you get out on the floor, I just, we really need to see more than what we've seen so far. Yeah. To echo what you guys are saying. Um, I, I, I don't know what else to add to it other than, uh, I think there's a lot of trust going on uh, that still has to be developed um, as something we're going to touch on. We're, we're foreshadowing so hard in this episode, I've noticed so far. We've all said that so far. We're going to discuss it later, but um, but as we will discuss, um, there's definitely some roster turnover this week alone. Uh, Grant, Anthony Grant and the athletic department were looking to schedule a game between uh, Old Miss and this game, and then they decide not to to give the uh, players some time off, spend with the family, things of that nature. Um, and then you come back and you get two of your key reserves injured. I think, uh, you know, that trust that the guards have is definitely something that uh, is still being developed. And I think it shows, even in the game last night, uh, Thomas, you were talking about the turnovers. They had, they were actually able to limit. I put up air quotes to, to 14 turnovers, still more than the average, like you were talking about 12 in the past, but better than what they've had this year. Um, but even some of those were, uh, I think five of them were steals. Um, and there was silly, um, uh, there was silly uh, plays in that. Um, Amzil, I wanted to call him Mufasa all night. You guys know me and names, but <laughs> the freshman coming in, he, he had a couple silly passes, which for yeah. first game, I think he had three practices, Grant said, under his belt so far. Um, you expect that from him, but still, just uh, there were some plays from uh, Jalen uh, that I remember that they were able to poke the ball away from him, a couple from Rodney. Um, 
things like that, that those just need to be cleaned up. And I think that trust knowing where a guy's going to be and what you can do when would be something that could definitely um, help with those turnovers and the sloppy play we've been seeing this season so far. Right. And you mentioned, you know, only, only for the South five steals, you know, quote unquote, if you're a good team that really takes care of the ball, if you give away five steals, you could probably assume that you might have five like unforced error turnovers to get you 10 total. But if we're doing 11, you know, just 11, if you want to call them unforced errors that aren't steals. So that's just throwing the ball away or traveling or stepping out of bounds. You really cannot have double digit unforced turnovers like that. That's really what you got to clean up. Obviously, you know, you want to take care of the ball too and not get it stolen, but that's something that, you know, with active hands, you might not necessarily be able to completely stop, but you can control, you know, those those unforced errors. Right. And uh, let me make a quick correction to that. It was eight steals last night. Okay. Uh, so even even more, you know. Uh, That's you, a problem. Eight steals. Right. And, right. To, and, and to add to that, Bobby, eight to our one. We only had one steal. And I believe that steal was late in the game. It was Chapman who kind of was uh, playing a little ball denial and they were trying to get it to a guard in the last minute there. And he just got his hand on it and went and took it down, ended up getting fouled and missed two free throws, which really kind of hurt because that was a chance to, uh, to take the lead. And, uh, I know uh, your boy Mufasa, as you'd like to call him, uh, you know, Amzil, um, he got a rebound off the uh, second um, miss there on the um, on the free throw. And uh, and then we still couldn't convert coming out of a timeout. So uh, definitely had our opportunities and just missed it. I just to add, I just think it's so interesting as we watch these first five games before last night we're seeing kind of this trend and we're just kind of, we're just kind of taking it all in and saying, okay, this is what we are. We're going to improve. Like this is, you know, we're going to be better. And we're, we were sneaking away. Granted we lost SMU, get it. But you know, we were able to play, I think poorly, you know, if you're looking at it from a statistic point of view and just flow, um, you know, with all the turnovers and all just the uncharacteristic things that we didn't do last year or the year before, um, you know, like things that come to mind are at the end of the Ole Miss game, Jalen misses two free throws and they keeps them in it. And then they go down and they score a quick layup, just way too easy, not playing good D we get the in, we get the ball on the inbound and we turn it over on the inbound. And it's just stuff like that where we're just not closing games, you know, and it's just, that's the frustrating part to see. But with that said, we we're still finding ways to win. We're still just getting by. And you just like it, like I was saying earlier, you just felt like if this is the trend, if this is really what was going to happen, if we're not going to clean some of this stuff up in some game, didn't expect it against LaSalle, it's going to bite us. And it felt like while yes, our turnovers were down last night, 14, those turnovers, just every one that happened, and they just seemed to happen so fast. Like, I look at it, I can't believe it was 14. It felt like 20 because they converted or got down the floor on on it felt like all of those. I mean, I don't know what the transition um, numbers are as far as points scored off turnovers, that sort of thing. I didn't look into that that deeply, but it felt like every turnover, they were down the floor, boom, quick bucket, quick shot, and they were making their shots in the second half. I mean – I was like, man, it felt like they were shooting 100% at some time, at some points in that second half. And you're just like, man, you look at the stats in the game, it didn't quite shake out that way. I think because they just got off to such a poor start. They only had two points really early on in that, in that uh, first half. So obviously it evens out, but man, they played a good second half. You have to give them a little bit of credit, but these, these, these turnovers, these uncharacteristic things that have happened through these games, you know, if they keep continuing on, I mean, it could be more. It could be more of the same. You know what I mean? Oh, for sure. I mean, LaSalle, I was looking up uh, Ken Palm rankings uh, after the game. We're at 66 after last night, which, you know, you would love to be at least top 50. It's kind of a benchmark for me with this program, at the very least, year in, year out. Um, and LaSalle after last night is 163. So I'm not really sure where they were at. Uh, beforehand and Ken Palm is kind of looked at as you know the premier kind of analytics rankings I have no idea how he does it (laughs) to be honest but I know this is kind of the consensus around the country Um, so no matter how you stack it it's a bad loss for sure 
even if it was only by two points. Um, so, um, you just need to definitely have some things to clean up and we'll see kind of where we go from here. Well, and let's step back a little bit. Uh, Thomas, if you want to kind of give some more context into some of the roster updates that happened in the last <laughs> week or two, both, uh, additions and, and subtractions. Sure. Yeah. Well, I think, uh, you know, maybe the first one to start with is the biggest of them all, uh, which uh, we didn't see coming. Uh, I know us three, um, as long with a couple of our other alumni friends, uh, we're kind of in a little chat. And I saw uh, one of us, it was, I think it was Danny, you, uh, you sent that text that said, oh, big news coming. And I think it revolves around Chase. And uh, sure enough, Within five minutes, you know, he's got some posts out there, um, you know, very similar situation to what happened last year. Sounds like it's health related. Um, I know last year it was concussions. Um, I think I think it's the same situation this year. I don't know if it's that he had one, um, but in some way or another, um, you know, it revolves around his health. And uh, and here we are now without, you know, in our first couple episodes here we're talking about how he's the x factor you know he's a guy that's going to be huge for us you know a six six nine six ten kid very athletic you know a big recruit out of high school that went to florida transferred to us and uh obviously sad to lose him last year extremely happy to have him back this year and here we are again without him midway through the season Yeah, uh, definitely came as a shock to me. Did not see it coming at all, especially after it happened last year. And and just kind of the way it went down, too. Just It was very sudden. And even the way UD announced it officially, I, it was kind of interesting to me in their, if you want to call it a press release, you know, the little article they, they put on, the, on their website, they referenced Johnson's Instagram story as, like, the source. And I feel like... Usually for things like this, you know, the program will try to phrase it as like a mutual decision or, you know, something a little more official than, you know, Chase Johnson posted on his Instagram story that he's left the program. Um, so, and I don't want to, you know, I we, we know nothing in terms of like anything <laughs> inside info. This is all just speculation. So I don't want to act like I'm throwing any facts out there really. But, you, you know, it just makes me wonder if, if like that's how they found out which would be terrible, which would not be a good look for Johnson, in my opinion. But again, we, you know, we don't know if that's true, but just kind of the suddenness of it all. Um, I guess I wouldn't be surprised if, if he just kind of decided on his own and put that out there, you know, maybe he didn't show up for something or just who knows really, but it's a big loss. I know he really struggled against Ole Miss. He was one for eight, didn't score too really late. Um, but again, like we talked about, he was, in our opinion, kind of the X factor for this team. So they're going to have to find a new one. And it might be uh, this this new freshman from Finland, Mustafa Amzil. Yeah, what a uh, what a night for uh, Amzil. Is it Amzil or Amzil? Uh, I don't know. But... The commentators last night were saying um, Amzil, I think is how they were pronouncing okay. it. Um. I tried to find a pronunciation guide on UD's website and couldn't find one. Just might need to look harder because usually yeah, there is one. Um, it's crazy but, just how quickly, you know, not only this thing happens with Chase, but then, I mean, just how perfectly the timing was for Mustafa Amzil to, to, you know, start last night. I mean, just when you lose Chase, you just plug in the, he's a freshman, right? You know, from Finland and, uh, and, and, I mean, wow. I mean, I was I was in awe of watching him play. It was really funny. As I was watching the game, he's starting and and you know, he's six ten and you know, he checks all the boxes as far as, you know, uh, you know, the look. But um man, it was really interesting. He was really like trying to get the ball in the first half, but the ball just never seemed to get to him. And he finally got one with like a couple minutes left in the first half. And he, I, I felt like he traveled <laughs> before he put the floater in. He, he was just, it was awesome. But, uh, you know, count it. And it just sprung him into this, I mean, 
it was a whale of a game. Nine of 14 shooting, 36 minutes. He played 36 minutes, guys. I mean, that's amazing for your first game. You're six games in, you're starting, you haven't played before. Uh, Grant to give him 36 minutes. Wow, that's awesome. 22 points and seven rebounds. I mean, he replaced Chase Johnson's production, if not, you know, better. Yeah. Right? Better. Right? I mean, yeah. um, to me, I test wise, didn't look as big or as athletic, even though he was listed at 6'10. So I don't know. Maybe it was just a it's just a difference in his body type or whatever. I don't know, but he, he looked a little smaller, but man, he looked like he could play the three and the four. He moves really well. He's, you know, kind of like what I mentioned Sissoko um was in the first game, just like for his body size, just really moves and really mobile and uh, really great to see him have the confidence to pull the trigger offensively. I mean, I know with like, I think 15 minutes left in the second half, he was leading the team. He was like six or seven from the floor. He had 15 points. He was leading the team by far. It was before Crutcher really got going. So, um, I mean, very impressive, very impressive. The, the key word I'm taking from that you said there, Thomas, that I want to, uh, elaborate on is confidence. He, when same thing with you guys, when you said he was starting, uh, I was thinking in my head, what this guy's got a week of practice. He's maybe been on campus a month. Um, just, I was like, what, what are we going to get from this guy? I was like, well, we'll have to see. And he came out and he did not look out of place. Yes. He looked like a freshman at times and, uh, definitely things to work on, but his confidence in, being able to just find kind of uh, where to be on the floor, things he can do, just activity, crashing boards, um, spacing the floor for his teammates. I thought he did an excellent job coming in on such a short notice. Um, and as Thomas said, you know, he the first half, he uh, there was times that I thought he had looks. Like he looked open. There was a couple times he was able to post his guy up in the post. And uh, I was like, oh, why are they not giving him the ball? But you know, you can't frown on those moments. Um, and in the second half, he really picked it up. And like Thomas said, you know, uh, the nine of 14 shooting, um, the one of four from three point land. I thought I, I I couldn't be happier with it for a debut of it. I wish it was in a win. I wish that was it. But uh, I mean, if that's what the future is looking like for us, uh, I'll, I'll take that. Give him give him another three days of practice, coach, and let's see what he can do uh, moving forward here. But yeah, now he'll, uh, he'll put up fifty, right? This is how it happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's got it's got to be like on a, a linear pathway, you know. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. we'll see. We'll see what he's able to do. But yeah, with you don't want to play the coulda, shoulda, woulda game, but like him and Chase being able to take Chase out, yeah, put him in, that'd be nice. But uh, coming in with twenty two points in a debut. Uh, I think that's really good. I think Thomas uh, said confidence, and you said athletic. I think dis- deceivingly athletic is the term you would use for him because I, I was thinking the same thing. I'm thinking 6'10 guy, and he's he's not wowing you with his athleticism, but he moves extremely well. He doesn't get out of position. He doesn't uh, get beat off of you know off the dribble real bad. It, it was really nice to see that, and I can see where – uh, when he committed, everybody was very excited saying, hey, this guy was he might be a three star now, but he's got big schools looking at him. Be very, you know, we're very surprised he didn't go bigger than this. And I can see why. I mean, he's got a ton of potential moving forward. Yeah, I definitely liked what I saw. I'll just piggyback off on a, f- a few points you guys made. Definitely. He did not look out of place. Like you said, Bobby, he looked like he belonged really good positionally um, and just kind of moved well. Like you said, very fluid for his age and, and just kind of moving around in the spots that he needed to be in and showed a really nice touch around the rim, especially early on. He kind of tailed off. Like you said, I think he started like seven of eight and finished nine of 14. So he missed a couple there late, um, but just had some nice drives kind of getting his defender off balance from the three point line and driving all the way in, you know, some nice finger rolls, some nice floaters. And he showed off that he could shoot too. I think, um, you know, only one of four from three, but his free throw, Stroke looked really good, which is kind of something you can look at to determine how a jump shot might be. So, yeah, I mean, again, I don't want to put too much, too many expectations on him, you know, after his first game and being here for so little time. But, crown him, Danny. Crown him. He's the <laughs> in basketball. He really could be, you know, he could be better than Johnson had been so far. And who knows, you know, what was going on with Chase and maybe why he wasn't 
you know, living up to his potential necessarily. Um, but that's kind of all in the past now. And, and Omsil hopefully can just keep stepping in and stepping yeah. up. One, one more note on him um, is when LaSalle went to a zone, I was very impressed by uh, – it, it reminded me of the old Archie Miller zone breaker where they actually had Amzil sit at the free throw line and they dip it into him and then they wait to kind of see what the defense did. Did the front court come up and uh, open up back doors or did the back court kind of drop onto him opening up a three? And he didn't seem uncomfortable in it, which I think just speaks to his IQ coming into it. I think he had a couple. I know one time he tried to get it over the defender to Jordy and the guy was able to tip it out for a turnover, but he looked confident in that role. And somebody coming in at this, like at, with this experience at this age, um, I just wanted to point that out. I, I really like that how he was able to break the zone that way. Well, then that was one of my criticisms from watching the game is I don't think they got him. They got the ball to him there enough. There were so many possessions against, against that zone, where it was just like Chapman and Crutcher passing it, you know, around the perimeter to themselves with no sort of advancing the ball within the zone. And I know LaSalle was. I mean, they were really they were overplaying Omzil quite a bit to try to deny, but I thought there were some more openings there that we did. Yeah, I think, I think the, uh, I think the, the coolest part about it is for those first few weeks of the season. And for our fir- first couple podcasts, we were just, we were trying to evaluate the freshmen and we had heard so much about all these freshmen and we were just salivating, waiting for, uh, you know, a chance to see who's, who's going to step up. Is it going to be Zimmy? Is it going to be Bria? Is it going to be Frazier? Is it going to be Sissoko and so on? Right. And then it's like, we were kind of underwhelmed by those guys and some had injuries and, you know, like, you know, to be fair to the, to the kids, I mean, it's like, you know, they haven't had the off season that most freshmen have had just given the year. So it is not totally fair, but with so much turnover, you're just, okay, who's our next guy? Who's our next guy? There's always that buzz. And for it to be of all people, a kid from Finland, you know what I mean? And his first game, six games in, his first start, his first game. I mean, it's like, wow. It made me sit back and say, okay, the season's not all dead and gone yet. We we still have plenty of basketball left. But after that loss, I'm sitting here thinking like, wow, our entire starting lineup this year is all upperclassmen, all guys on their way out. Crutcher's on his way out. Chapman's on his way out. I believe Ibby's on his way out, right? Yeah. He, he only had two two years of uh, yeah, Jordy as well. So Chase is obviously done. So I'm sitting here thinking like, man, our future, like who's going to who's gonna be the next thing? And we've obviously got arguably our best recruiting class ever coming in next year to four stars, um, a kid, another Brooklyn guard, I believe. Is it Malachi Smith? Is that it? Yeah, it's Gucci's brother. Yeah. It's Gucci's is brother. it really? How did I put that together? How how bad, oh, man. How bad is yeah. that that I didn't put that together? You got Malachi. Little- yeah. So you got those three coming in. You got some of these freshmen who are going to figure it out. I mean, they're going to get more playing time. They got to figure out how to, you know, find some minutes for these guys to make up for what's been lost with Chase. And we're going to have to throw them different looks. It's going to be so cool to see, um, you know, who steps up and who's going to be kind of our future. Cohill is going to come back next year um, and probably lead, you know, the point guard spot. It, it just made me really think about the future and not to not to put a cap on this year, but just like, wow, our, our future can still be so bright. Absolutely. And even thinking about – go ahead, Bobby. Sorry. No, you're, I was just going to piggyback off Thomas with this freshman class. Uh, Kobe Bria getting to make his debut this year – or this year, yeah, make his debut for this year in this game. Um, kind of looked like he knew his role. He didn't have uh, the same game as Anzil, but, you know, he hit when – he, when he got caught upon, he hit a three, missed another one, was able to make an assist. Didn't look like a liability on defense. And as a freshman, I know Grant has said in the past, if you want to play as a freshman – you need to be able to play defense. And he looked like he was able to stay in front of his defender. He was able to, you know, understand the screens and things of that nature and uh, was was able to hold his own for his first game of the year on defense. I agree. Yeah, it was it was nice to see him finally play and definitely agree. Didn't seem like he really cost us anything. Uh, I guess I'm a little, I mean, a little confused why maybe he didn't play more. He played 15 minutes. I know Crutcher played all 40 which, again, unfortunately, we might just kind of have to expect from here on out, uh, especially if 
Weaver and and Blakeney both are unable to play. I forgot to kind of to mention that was kind of the other other thing with with guys missing last night was like just before the game found out that both uh, Elijah Weaver and and uh, RJ Blakeney got hurt in practice. That's kind of all we know. I, I didn't see anything in terms of severity or how long they'll be out. And then the other freshman, Luke Frazier, still recovering, I think, from an appendectomy. So definitely were shorthanded. Last night played eight guys. Uh, Zimmy only played four minutes, missed a three, and he did have an assist, but zeros across the board uh, on the rest of the box score from him. So really a seven-man rotation for the whole game. And even Jordy only played 16 minutes with, with foul trouble, which he always seems to get into. So, um, <laughs> again, pr- very shorthanded last night, not an excuse. Cause again, I think we were all talking before we started recording. Um, I just really seemed we had much more talent than the Sal did on paper and even just kind of at the, with the eye test, but you got to still play the games obviously. And, and win your one-on-one battles and there's not enough of that, especially rebounding. Yeah, uh, I, I so far I really gotta gotta eat my crow here with the uh, calling Zimmy our X factor because man he, uh, oh man he he just he looks lost and and I I don't know if he's overthinking it I mean if 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 he's just not playing loose or what's going on but I mean there was an obvious play last night um, where Lasalle ran a pick and look roll up at the three point line defender guard went under. And Zimmy still backed off, and it just opened up the lane, and guy went drove right in, uh, took it at uh, Jordy, and was able to lay it up, I believe. But it was just like, dude, how, that's a, a a pick and roll. That's all communication. Either you switch, you call out switch, or you say stay. It, it, you know, it's uh, I I, <laughs> I really yeah. thought he was going to be more factor. Yeah, and uh, you know, season's still young. He's still got plenty of time. Um, you know, we've seen. Uh, not to get off topic here, but uh, Frank, Frankie, uh, I called him Bullicelli. Bullicelli, <laughs> oh, Bullicelli. You know he's at Stony Brook and he's doing really good now. So you know it's not like if they fail. Not that I want Zimmy to transfer. I'm not saying that. I'm just if just because they're not getting it now doesn't mean they can't get it moving forward. Um, but it's just something that I really thought when he redshirted for last semester last year, he was going to be able to grow, really kind of understand. Uh, not not become an Obi, but see how Obi kind of practiced and got to where he was. And I thought he was going to take off this year. Uh, and so far we're just not seeing it. Maybe he's got some sort of injury or something, but uh, so far, so far my X factor is really not even on the spectrum of being on the alphabet right now. He's, he's so yeah. far out there. I'll say, I'll say, yeah. There's definitely something not clear. No, no, no. I think you're, uh, I think you're totally spot on. I mean, he just, he just looks like he hasn't found his role, I think, is really what it is. You know, other guys, you know, seem to be more comfortable when they go out there and they put in their minutes. And he just he's just a little bit in the gray area. He's not totally, um, you know, decisive, I guess, is is the best word, it seems. And, uh, you know, sometimes that just takes a few games or um playing with the right guys you know it's it's tough because you got all these freshmen you're giving them just a few minutes so it's unfair to give them a poor grade but at the same time you're right when he's out there he doesn't look good or other guys look better and uh you know to speak on on Bria I know he just got you know in last night for the first time but one thing I kind of noticed about him is um his shot. I mean, he made his first, he made his first three and he, and he missed a second one, but just looking at him, you know, he seems calm. He seems collected and the, and his stroke looks, looks really nice. I mean, it really does. And who's to say, hell, he could go out there and, and shoot 10% from three for the rest of his career. I mean, who knows, but I'm just saying he looks the part, he looks the part and uh, kind of really excited to see where he goes because you, every team could use that, that you know dead eye shooter you know everybody he he looks like he could potentially be that we we hope we pray <laughs> <laughs> yeah a lot of a lot of qualifiers sure. there before before we can be sure about that but yeah i agree his first three there's i think there's a hand right in his face it was a pretty deep three on the left wing and he just knocked it down and then i don't know if it was i don't think it was the very next possession but maybe two possessions after that he took another i thought it was a good shot i think from the corner and it looked good uh, going up, but it 
it just rattled out. So he definitely seems to not necessarily have a green light, but he's, he's got permission to, to take an open shot when he's got it, which we all, you know, all those guys need to really, because we, I've just seen too much offense from these guys where it just bogs down at the end and they're having to just kind of try to break it down at the, you know, five seconds left on the shot clock to try to get a shot. So I'm fine with really anyone shooting for the most part. Um, if they have some open space. And one thing I do want to add, just after we're talking about all these newcomers and freshmen, something that's kind of hanging over everything is this extra year of eligibility that like basically everyone's getting, it seems. Uh, It kind of sounds almost too simple because I don't know how these programs or how the NCAA is going to handle like the scholarship limit, if they're just going to ignore the scholarship limit for next year. I'm assuming is what's going to have to happen. Um, so I haven't really seen many guys yet across the country, even kind of say what their plans are, uh, especially seniors, you know, if they're going to stay for a sixth year, fifth or sixth year, depending on if they've already redshirted. Um, so theoretically we could see the whole team back. I'm not saying it's going to happen. It's definitely not. I'm sure like a guy like Crutcher, even after last year, he tested the NBA waters. So, um, we'll probably see him see him leave but it's just something else to think about in terms of next year that the future could still be really bright if a couple guys decide to stay. Well, yeah, and they kind of piggyback off that. I mean, even if you have guys like Chapman leave, like Crutcher leave, you know, that just expands the role for for a Weaver, you know? And you know, some of these other uh, Cohill. I mean, Cohill, we've yet to see him be kind of a focal point and we really expected that to uh, him to really be a big factor this year unfortunately the ACL but uh, you know but he'll be back next year and and, you know him and Weaver are kind of in my mind is like kind of your main guards that you're going to have next year which is super exciting and so for anyone who leaves is is another guy to step up and our recruiting has been really solid Um, you know dating back to Archie but I think even more so with Grant I mean you know, with our best recruiting recruiting class coming in next year. So, um, regardless of what is what happens, um, there's still there's still a lot to you know look forward to. Yeah, uh, my understanding of it, Danny, is that the NCAA is allowing this year is not counting towards anyone's eligibility. So it's up to the school what they want to do. But everyone's welcome back. Um, so a school like UD, I don't think would have any issue if if they need to carry find the money for an extra five scholarships next year, I think that they could do it. Um, but you bring Thomas, you kind of alluded to this too, is the interesting point of when Weaver committed, he was like, Hey, you know, he, he was sold on the idea of you're going to sit a year behind Crutcher and then you're going to come in and you're going to be the guy. And I, I agree with you, Danny. I don't think Crutcher's coming back, but all of a sudden if he decides, Hey coach, I'm coming back. I don't think any of us are going to say, nah, we don't want another year of Crutcher. But then as Weaver like, whoa, wait a minute, I thought I was coming in to be the number one. And then Malachi's like, wait a minute, I thought I was going to get to be a number two. And now I'm third on the death chart behind those two guys. You know, that's where it'll be very interesting to see what happens. But I agree. I don't I don't think those guys would come back, um, but it'll be interesting to see how that affects the team. Um, But as Thomas alluded to, too, the recruiting and guys coming in. it's going to be so interesting to see how these guys develop because even though they're playing roles now next year, if all these guys do leave, those roles are going to be so expanded. It's going to be very interesting to see how we're, how these guys develop through conference play uh, as we move forward. Yeah, there could definitely be some unintended consequences, some domino effects really across the country that will be interesting to follow, but definitely in our neck of the woods, seeing how it, how it affects the flyers. Um, and I do just want to say I'm not sure if, if I ever actually specified the result last night. Uh, it's a 67-65 loss to LaSalle at UD Arena. Um, very frustrating. I know we've obviously spent a lot of time already kind of talking about individual guys. Um, so I don't know how much you guys want to get into reliving that that game last night. Because um, I think like Thomas said early on, the trends were still there in terms of turnovers and and the rebounding um they were both teams had 14 turnovers and then ud gave up 12 offensive rebounds which kind of surprisingly only led to eight second chance points according to the box score on on ud's website um but thomas like you said maybe maybe it was kind of more of a mental thing almost 
where it's felt like a lot of backbreaking plays, both on the turn for turnovers and second chance points. Um, yeah. And it was the kind of game where UD let LaSalle hang around. They didn't put them away early. UD got up 16 to two in the first half. And, you know, you can kind of do the math from there on, on how LaSalle kind of took control of the game and stayed close and hit the last second. Yeah, I mean, I think end. just to add to that, Danny, I mean, we've, I think we've touched on the game, you know, pretty good amount here, but I mean, I was kind of going back and looking at, uh, you know, who LaSalle has played this year. And obviously they were three and five coming in last night. You know, they lost to teams like St. John's. St. John's always plays really well in the non-conference. Like every year, I swear those guys are like eight, nine, ten and zero, or, you know, 11 and one in non-conference, but they jump in the big East and they get crushed. And that's just, so they lose to, they lose to St. John's by 17. They played St. Pete's Peacocks. Okay. I never heard of them. Don't want to know who they are. Don't want to know where, where that place is. Uh, it doesn't sound appealing at all. And uh, they lost to those guys by 11. They played Army and lost by four. They played UMass in the in the A-10 and lost by 19. And they played Maryland, who is a little down in the Big Ten this year, and lost by 13. So they're getting put away by double figures, by by St. Pete's Peacocks, okay? And we come into this game at home and we blow it. I mean, it's it, it's just so frustrating because I think we knew this isn't going to be the team of last year. We knew that. But we have plenty of talent here to get back to the tournament to, uh, you know, be a 7, 8, 9 seed, whatever, 11. I don't care. To get in and at least win a game. It felt that way. But when you just keep having these trends that we've talked about and it bites you against a team like LaSalle, it really, really makes you question, are we a tournament team or are we just destined for the NIT? I mean, you just it's just so frustrating because you have limited opportunities this year. You don't have the 30 games that, you know, you think you're going to get, you know, at any moment, some team could test positive for COVID and you go from playing whatever, 17 conference games or whatever it is, 20, 17, whatever it is in that range to, to, you know, a few games below that. And that's just fewer opportunities to prove that you're worthy to get in. And when they look at our resume at the end of the year, this loss just feels so, it, it feels insurmountable to some degree if we're a team on the bubble, you know, it feels like, as my Ohio State background is, it feels like when Ohio State lost to Purdue, you know, that, and they got left out of the, the playoff. That's what it felt like last night, that kind of a loss. They could kill it from here on out, but they always have that blemish. Yeah, I don't think you're wrong. Um, I haven't even seen any announcements necessarily yet about whether – I know the last few years NCAA has been doing like the NET – rankings and they'll kind of do some snapshots throughout the season um but yeah i imagine this this loss will likely go if not at the bottom tier uh maybe second to second worst level that you could get a uh, home loss to a team around probably between 150 and 200 i know it's something that they've tried to weight a little differently the last few years with home losses um yeah this will definitely hopefully <laughs> be the worst loss on the resume throughout the year. Uh, but I guess if they don't clean some things up, it could get worse. I don't want to say that, but I'm really hoping this is not the beginning of, of kind of a tailspin. So yeah, early I on. mean, I guess one of my big questions, um, and I don't want to, I don't want to keep rambling on about it, but do you think, do you think, um, you know, we can sustain a loss like this and still make the tournament? Do you guys feel like we can still turn this thing around? You're talking at large. Yeah. I mean, at yeah, large at bit? large, or you know, I mean, if we ran the table and won the conference, I think you know they'd have to, they'd have to put us in, um, especially if we won the tournament. Of course, they'd have yeah. to. But I mean, yeah, if we're speaking at large, let's say we don't win the A10, but we finish in the top two or three. I, I, I mean, what do you guys think? Yeah, I saw you nodding, Bobby. You you can take this one first. Oh, I think you're muted, Bobby. Sorry about that. Oh, no, good. I definitely. Uh, so it's, I was it's like a Zoom call. I was looking up where the work. Peacocks were from. It's uh, Jersey City, New Jersey there, Thomas. <laughs> so I don't know if you'll be visiting them or not. Um, but it might be the uh, optimist in me, but 
I think that I think they can. I think with how the A10 is shaping up this year, I think your teams of VCU, St. Louis, Richmond, Richmond, yes, uh, those are teams that you know are projected to do well. So if we're able to go in and compete with those teams, um, and the A10 is able to be as strong as it's supposed to be, uh, finishing two or three in the uh, conference, I think gets you an at-large bid, especially in a year when you just don't know what's going to happen. Um, so we'll see what happens. Um, but my thought is, is that yes, if, if we're able to kind of get some of these games, we have two against St. Louis. Um, we have two against VCU. Um, I think that there's still enough time left that we can still make that difference and, um, and make up the ground to be an at-large bid. Yeah, I was I was looking the schedule up too about how often we play the the best teams in the conference because that's going to have to help us um, if we get wins against SLU and VCU and, and Richmond. Um, yeah, so two each against SLU and VCU, and then just one against Richmond, which is a home game. So that's that's good. Obviously, I guess that's not till February, so maybe crowds will be a different story by then because again that's something else that i don't know if the committee is going to weigh road wins differently you know with no crowds because the environment's not going to be as as crazy as usual around the country um but yeah i think in terms of an at-large we're looking at probably going four and one in those games against those five games against slew vcu and richmond and it's the loss would like the best loss would be at slew probably if we were going to lose one it would be at slew so then you sweep VCU, beat SLU and Richmond at home, and then really just avoid any bad losses throughout the rest of the conference. Um, so, yeah, I never want to say that there's not a path, but definitely not getting off on the right foot, losing last night, um, and then really got to clean it up against basically everyone else in the A-10. It, it's hard to get a read on the A-10 for me every year just because it seems like conference play can be so different than what you see from all these teams in the non-conference, they can go both ways where a team can outperform early on and then not be good in conference play. So the, the win doesn't seem as good against them as you might've thought preseason. Um, so we'll just kind of see how the season goes and just hope we don't step on, on any more landmarks. Yeah, no, I, I totally agree with that. Um, certainly it makes the, the path a little tougher um, but you were, I think you're spot on Danny. I think, you know, it, it, it's not that it's over. It's still early. Um, but with limited opportunities this year, um, you know, we're really going to need to stand out in the, in conference. And, um, you know, I think the thing that kind of hurts us a little bit too, is while we've beaten Ole Miss, while we've beaten Mississippi state, those teams aren't projected to be great wins because they're projected to be at the bottom of the sec so um you know coming off those wins was great to grind those out was great but um you know to back it up with the loss to LaSalle just makes us have to go win at Richmond or you know like you said sweep VCU or win at SLU and and then and then you know avoid a loss against a Fordham or uh, Duquesne or, uh, you know, or George Mason, which is coming up next, you know, that's, it just puts more pressure on you. Whereas if you won last night, you could sustain a loss at VCU, you know, it's a, yeah, it's okay. You know, we'll beat them at home. We'll be fine. We'll move on. Um, so definitely, definitely agree. Um, it'll certainly be interesting to see where they go from here. Um, but as I guess, you know, we're kind of getting to this thing and we're, and we're wrapping it up maybe a little bit here. Looking forward, we got George Mason on the schedule coming up here. And I think back-to-back games against Fordham, um, you know, is there anything you guys see that needs cleaned up? Um, I mean, aside from maybe turnovers, um, I know I kind of had a thought, but I figured I'd maybe shoot it your guys' way first. I don't mean to put you on the spot. If you got nothing, I I certainly do, but at least wanted to throw it out there. What is it going forward into these games that you guys want to see better? You can take it, Bobby, first. Uh, first thing, uh, looking back at my notes from the uh, old Miss game that I really wanted to discuss uh, back when I was watching that one was the amount – that I felt we were watching the ball in the first half is it felt very ISO, ISO driven uh, where it was Chapman's got the ball, Crutcher's got the ball and everybody's waiting to see what they do. 
Um, and I, I and maybe you know it's the rose colored glasses of last year, but I felt like there was so much off ball movement, especially with the two man game of Crutcher and Obi. You still had Mike Sell setting off ball screens. You had Lander setting off ball screens. You guys had guys cutting backdooring. I thought there was a lot more movement, so that's something that I would love to see us improve upon. Uh, moving forward it's just seeing more offense uh, and i'd like to see a little bit more uh and it's just me i want to see guys crashing boards as thomas alluded to earlier uh, i know last year trey landers was he's he was a larger guard in the in, in the college game but he would crash the boards and i know it was two years ago that he led the team uh he was the leading rebounder on the team um so yeah I'd love to see something like that again. Not not to that extent, but just guys trying to get those rebounds and try to up our second chance points. Those are the things that I'd like to see uh, moving forward in conference play. Yeah, yeah, those are all great points. Um, even a guy like Sissoko in, I don't know if we can call it, I mean, 19 minutes is more than limited, but not necessarily starters minutes by any stretch. He had seven rebounds in 19 minutes, but he was only one for three from the field. And I know there's at least one, probably both of his misses that, probably should have gone in he just kind of took it or he didn't take his time he rushed and kind of threw it up there but he's shown with that big body of his that you love so much thomas (laughs) um soko can maybe be that guy he'd be more the prototypical because he is huge um so i don't know if we're gonna see necessarily a guard um really do that consistently hell crutcher had six rebounds last night i'm not really sure how how he managed that being by far for us the smallest guy on the floor. I know LaSalle had some some small guards too, which I was kind of frustrated that we didn't take advantage of more offensively. Um but yeah, definitely just want to see more aggressiveness all around. I guess that's my main thing. It just seemed like last night we seemed just kind of like a half step slower than LaSalle did on both ends of the floor. And I think Thomas you mentioned earlier, it's just something you can't really put your finger on. Um but maybe for me, that's kind of the the thing that stands out the most more than strategy is this kind of they just seem slower and almost less interested than than their opponent. And especially when we have limited guys playing, your margin for errors is going to be so small that you just got to go all out the whole 40 minutes. And hopefully mostly our talent will win out then if the effort is is equal or better than the opponent. Love where you guys took that, honestly. That was beautiful. I was uh, worried I put you on the spot there, and that is exactly those. what you guys both said is exactly where I wanted to take that. Um, it's just – it's it's so frustrating. I know we've talked about it so much, but in these past three games, Ole Miss, Mississippi State, and LaSalle, we have uh, been beat on the offensive rebounding um side of things 43 to 16 43 to 16 so that's it's just i mean 43 minus 16 do the math i i'm an accountant myself and i'm ashamed i can't come up off the top of my head just thank you thank you uh uh that's 27 more opportunities that uh, these teams have had to, you know, to, to get a, to get a bucket. And uh, that just can't happen, especially when you have a guy like Jordy down low and we had chase up to this point and we're replacing chase with a guy who's six ten. the guards. It seems to me seem to kind of watch those guys a little bit. I get really frustrated with Jordy and, you know, chase or, you know, Amzo. I couldn't have been frustrated when last night he was so good offensively, so I can't put it on him, but um Sometimes I get so frustrated on those guys. Let's see these guards put a body into someone and help because there's so many times where these guys get a second chance opportunity and the guards are about two, three feet away just watching. And it's like, come on, guys, jump in there. Like this has to be a team thing. Like clearly we're struggling in, on this side of things. Let's let's make this a team effort. And um, and my and my next thing is for these guards. Listen, last year we had Landers, we had Mike Sell, we had Toppin, we had uh, Crutcher, and we had Chapman. The, there's two guys of those five who, who who could really truly dribble the ball. They all could dribble it, but like who actually can dribble and really penetrate. And that was Crutcher and that was Chapman. This year we have three of those guys, three guys who can dribble and really penetrate. That's 
just Chapman, Crutcher, and Ibby. And I think that's driving some of these turnovers a little bit. Of our 17, those three average 10 of the 17. So clearly the majority. And I think it's just because when you're a guard, your first instinct is shoot. If not, I'm going to dribble. And um, last year, like Mike Self didn't need to dribble, just motion, just back cuts to it, you know, setting up in the corner for three landers the same way. Those guys didn't need the ball to dribble. And I just think it's a guard's first instinct to either shoot or dribble and try to make something happen. And this year, it seems like we've lost the ball a lot on the dribble when we go to penetrate. And I think that's where the turnovers are kind of coming from. And I just want to see, Bobby, you said it perfectly. There's a lot of standing around when, when Crutcher goes to dribble or Chapman goes to dribble, if he goes to make something happen, the other guys are just kind of watching. There's no back cuts. And oftentimes we've run ourselves into spots where like Crutcher went baseline last night and gave dropped off one to Jordy. There were three guys in the paint. And then we, everyone gets mad at Jordy because he can't get the ball up or it gets taken up or the jump ball. And it's like, that's not Jordy's fault. I mean, it really isn't. We need to have better spacing. We need to have better motion and we need to be, um, you know, not sitting and standing there and watching these guys try to make plays, try to be a part of the play. I take take a you know page out of the Landers Mike Sell book from last year and and try to you know try to play that way a little bit if you're playing off ball. And I think that is going to make a big difference for us going forward. We're not that far off. LaSalle, they beat us by two. It sucks. But at the end of the day, there were so many opportunities for us to get easy. There's so many opportunities for us to get easy buckets on a team like that. And we're just not. We're making it harder on ourselves than it needs to be. So that's kind of that's kind of my wrap, my scoop on on guards and turnovers. <laughs> and I don't want to keep harping on it because they're probably annoyed with me by now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that was that was a drop the bike moment for sure. Um, it, it, but it does lead me into one just maybe last thing. And honestly, we could probably spend a whole separate pro- podcast on this because we really haven't brought up coaching at all. I mean, we haven't, we barely brought up Anthony Grant's name or any of the staff. Um, and I think at least personally, it's because obviously they get paid to do this. I'm just an amateur. I love basketball, but I can't claim to really know that much about the ins and outs of, of strategy. Um, so got to leave it to those guys but it's just kind of everything you guys are saying it points to potentially kind of having the staff needing to look at themselves kind of and figure out if there's something different that we should be doing you know each game uh, or even within the game and that's one thing one more note I also have another note from the Ole Miss game um, that I thought was really interesting a for ironically a former LaSalle coach uh Dr. John Giannini was the color guy on that game. I think for NBCSN, by far the best we've had this year. First of all, because if there's another game on Spectrum, I'm I'm gonna mute it for sure. Like no questions asked. Those guys are just awful. I'm sorry, um, but <laughs> one thing that he mentioned probably it was probably after halftime or like late in the first half was he pointed out an adjustment that we made that we basically stopped setting ball screens because Ole Miss their big guys were so long and and able to move well that they were hedging really hard and just completely blowing up our offense when we tried to run a ball screen. But it did seem like Crutcher and Chapman especially didn't need ball screens to get around their defenders. So we kind of just left the perimeter open, let those guys work, get in the middle of the lane, and do things from there. So that showed at least that the staff can make adjustments from kind of going away from their set their standard offense, which is a good sign because again, you never know what a team's going to throw at you. Um, but it remains to be seen whether they can kind of set that for the rest of the season. If there needs to be any sort of wholesale change, or if they're just going to keep trying to to run this stuff. Because Bobby, I totally agree. When it's when it's run well, it's so fun to watch, and it just hasn't gotten there yet. And personnel, I'm sure I kind of overestimated or underestimated just how much we were going to miss Obi. It sounds dumb to say, because I mean, how can you underestimate a top 10 NBA draft pick? Like what his absence is going to be, but I don't know. It's just, we're running the same stuff and it's obviously not getting the same results. And there's probably a lot of layers to why that's happening. Scouting teams are, you know, figuring us out, but we also just don't have the, the talent to overcome some of that. Yeah. Two, two things. Uh, first thing, most importantly is uh, the 
uh, George Mason game is going to be on NBC Sports Network again, Danny. So you should be able to watch that one and not yeah. have to worry about. <laughs> Thank you. About the official uh, or the uh, color commentation, color commentator there. But um, I agree with you. I think, um, you know, the coaches get paid to do it. And I don't think that, I don't think that Anthony Grant and the team that did what they did last year would get where they were without adjustments. And I think in a few games that I've seen, they've already made some adjustments. In the old Miss game, I feel like they made the adjustment of attacking the paint more. Um, Unfortunately, I'm not uh, great at elaborating on what they did differently, but I definitely feel like they were able to uh, attack the rim more and make that adjustment. Um, and then just the point of, uh, or and the other thing I noticed that they've done is that um, when the dr- guards drive, I noticed this last night against LaSalle, uh, Cisco and uh, Jordy both clear their guy out. They, I call it the clear out move where they just kind of put their back on a guy and they just start walking backwards and try to open up that lane. Even, you know, and those are just little things I didn't notice in the first couple games where we kind of talked about they were just watching them. Those are active things you can do to kind of help your teammates as they do those kinds of things. So I definitely think, um, like you said, the coaching staff has got to make adjustments. Um, but I don't think that this is a case of them just being like, nope, this is this system worked with OB. We're going to run it no matter what. Um, but I think that those are fair points that you bring up uh, about that. All righty. Well, I guess maybe the best thing that comes out of all of this is, like Thomas said, uh, they're getting right back at it on Saturday against George Mason back at UD Arena. So they, I guess, don't have a ton of time to stew on last night. They just got to get back out there and, and try to get a win, and really just after that really long layoff for Christmas, uh, they're going to have, you know, really just getting the meat of conference play. Four games in uh, 11 days, it looks like, if my math's right, starting with George Mason. So they'll just kind of start to get into a rhythm, hopefully, of of just playing with each other more, getting guys like Amzil and, and Bria uh, acclimated more and more, and then hopefully getting Weaver and, and uh, Blakeney back in the rotation, get those guys healthy. So Fingers crossed that we'll start to see kind of a full rotation create itself and just kind of and establish themselves in their roles like we talked about, especially with Zimmy. Um, so still a lot of season left, and we'll see what happens in these next few games of, of conference play. Hopefully get us back get us back in the win column. This was a uh, good vent sesh, Danny. This was a good vent sesh. Yeah, we all, we all much, need one. It was much needed need- after last night's debacle, and uh, – and now we can turn the page. Happy New Year! Happy New Year to you guys. Yeah, for sure. Hope you guys. Hope you guys have a great New, new Year. Any finishing thoughts, Bobby? You good? Nope. I, I hope that the amount of uh, therapy session this one was, we'll be able to praise the team for how good they look against uh, George Mason moving forward. And I want to wish you guys both a happy New Year and go Flyers! Absolutely. Alrighty, go Flyers! All right, Talk guys. To you guys soon. Cheers.